The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Welcome to episode 113 of the podcast. Now, I've got a bit of an announcement because for those of you regular listeners, you may have noticed that there's been a bit of a gap between the last few episodes and that's partly because of the demands of uh, work, clients and uh, meeting those needs really and just the challenge of trying to sort of fit in not so much recording the podcast, but the headspace in terms of planning, writing, and preparing for the podcasts. Um, and with that in mind, uh, so firstly, an apology for missing the odd episode here and there. Um, and really, just to let you know, as particularly those of you who are more regular listeners, that this will be the final episode of the podcast for now. Now, it's not the end of the, the Restless Midlife or the Midlife Reshape. It's actually, in fact, borne out the fact that um, juggling a number of different commitments, client commitments, speaking commitments, that kind of thing. Um, I've just found that I'm not really serving the, qual- the the podcast in terms of giving it the time it needs or deserves to, for me, to measure up to what I would like to to uh, give it in terms of the standards for it. So what I'm intended to do is not end it completely, is just put it on hiatus for now um, and go on the journey really of working with the clients and the speaking and the commitments and just see where it takes me. I've got a lot of ideas that potentially could be coming out in the future, a lot of other guests in the in the background that I would be interested in speaking to, but I'm gonna give myself that headspace um, to sort of just focus on the priorities if you like. And I guess that's part of, some of the decisions that I guess as midlifers we we all need to make from time to time. You know when we're finding that there's a lot of things um, going on, and I'm by no means in any dark place or bad place, just to be clear. But I think we can end up in places like that where we fulfil commitments that we feel as if we should or have to. And often I like to use, remind, use the phrase when I'm coaching is who says, and who says you need to or have to. And sometimes it's because of a commitment or a demand outside. Sometimes that commitment or demand can be renegotiated, challenged, etc. Sometimes it can't, depends on what it is. But often it's what we place on ourselves. And I think I'm very good at that. And it's not such a good thing that I'm very good at setting these commitments and sort of making them cast iron, which means that I do set out to fulfill commitments um, a lot and, and strive to do that. But there is a point when there needs to be a stand back and a re-evaluation. And I think that's something we all need to do in life, in various aspects of our life, particularly when we have particular goals. And for me, around health and and fitness, uh, that longer kind of goal of being fitter at 66 than when I was, uh, was at 45, that kind of thing. And whatever your goals are, we do need every so often to just check in on the drift that can happen in terms of what we've taken on, what priorities we have that perhaps don't align with it. And that's part of it. And it's nothing that's um, a sign of weakness or, or a failing. It's just a natural part of life that sometimes we need to do that. So that's a long-winded way of me kind of justifying why the podcast has gone on hold for, as a hiatus for, for, for time being. But it is also something in terms of, I guess, a teachable moment, just to be cliched, um, that you can maybe think of in yourself is when do you take, take on things that perhaps out of a sense of duty or commitment can kind of lead to you taking on too many things and therefore diluting your effort. Because for me, the priority is, yes, me, my health, my own journey, but also, and, and big style, my clients and the people that I work for and serve. Because firstly, I love the work I do. They get a lot out of it, hopefully, and, and the majority of them do, uh, no doubt. And it is about making sure that I'm there for them as well.
So that's that's kind of where I'm at for now. Um, I will keep you posted if there's anything changes. But thank you um, to all those listeners, particularly those of you who've been all the way along. Hope you're not too disappointed. Please drop me a line, David Risslet, a midlifer, if you have any thoughts or questions or queries. Um, as I say, I do have a bunch of other resources and other things, including the Daily Sprout uh, video emails. I've got 500 of them over on my YouTube channel. I've got a bunch of videos that relate to the content around the podcast, um, as you'll see on my YouTube channel. So if you go over to the the restless midlife podcast and i'll put a link in the show notes you will find all of that there just if you want to find some additional stuff material to guide you on your journey to support you in your journey and you can always get in touch with me as well i'm always open to speaking to anybody helping you out or and or even looking at potentially a coaching relationship if that's the right thing for you so please do give me a shout dave at restlessmidlife.com and if i can help in any way that would be great it's been a privilege and a pleasure to be on this journey with you uh, and this the interaction the feedback i've got from listeners uh, has been brilliant and met some great people along the way in, in terms of guests so it's by no means over it's just definitely paused for now one thing i do know that i need to do though is complete my i guess my mini series of my thinking around our relationship with food and um i've talked about the you know the three elements the physical the functional need of uh, rela- relationship we have with food the needs that we have just to fulfill the functional side of our physical body then the social side and then the emotional and i've talked about the physical and the social side and what i want to do is talk a little bit about the emotional side just to kind of close this off what i want to do do want to highlight is that the emotional side in itself is a huge area and probably worthy of a lot of uh, podcast episodes if I was to dig in. But one of the things I do find is this is a very individual um, element of the work I do. Um, yes, that we all potentially can be prone to eat alcohol, some emotional need or filling an emotional need or triggered by some sort of emotion, which I'm going to come on to in a moment. We, we all can be prone to that. But how it shows up, what the triggers are, how we then deal with it can be such an individual process and and what have you. So really what I'm going to do today is really flag up a couple of areas and some thoughts. Um, and again, if this is an area that you're interested in probing further, by all means drop me a line um, and you know I can explore that with you and, and share some other additional resources and thoughts. But I guess when we're talking about the emotional side of our relationship with food, what do we mean by that? Well, what we mean, I guess, is that when do you tend to find there are particular emotions, uh, feelings that trigger you into a certain pattern of eating, overeating or eating a particular thing or even drinking if we're talking about alcohol. And yes, I understand, appreciate that that in itself, it can present its own unique and difficult challenges, um, particularly if it's veering into alcohol dependency and alcoholism. So I'm I'm certainly not going to go into that in any detail. However, I do have a number of clients that I work with, and it is about teasing out actually the food and the alcohol relationships and the links to emotions. So there is an overlap, a big overlap, and often common ground in terms of what we can do to approach and support our working our way out of the overreading, the binge eating, the you know, the responding to high moments, low moments, that kind of thing, and using alcohol within that. So emotions, it's about the emotions and the feelings. One thing I do want to highlight first off is there is a difference between the emotional eating and boredom eating. Now, some of you may we may feel like well boredom kind of is an emotion in itself because I feel frustrated. I can kind of feel like I need to fill a gap, fill a hole. I'm bored. I just want to bored eat or eat just to fill that that 
that to change that state of boredom. Now, what I would like to do is just distinguish between, just for the sake of this, between that boredom and a, and the emotional eating side. Not to diminish it, because I think you know there are moments when we or times when we do fill our moments with whether it's scrolling through you know Facebooks or whatever or or um, doing something less than productive, including eating, in order to fill time. And I think that's an important thing to recognise because in that filling of time, that can lead to us incredibly, you know, eating over, overeating a lot uh, and obviously have negative consequences. But I think it's important to distinguish because the, the recognising the triggers can be different. And it's kind of, a, I guess, an argument for chicken and egg because we can be bored perhaps because we don't necessarily feel like we have the, the social side, the relationships in there, or we don't feel fulfilled at work or feel fulfilled in our life, or we have just periods where we don't have a lot to do. And that can lead to senses of frustration, sadness, loneliness, which so in itself can lead to emotions. I think that's important to recognize. But if it is at the first place, the boredom is the, is the, is the, the trigger, if you like, then it's important to recognize that and to understand that, um, that in itself needs a, a particular approach. Now, some of the, the things I want to suggest today will certainly assist and help with that. But I guess with the thing with boredom is to then perhaps look at where, where are those gaps? Where are those hotspot times? And what is it linked to? We all have space uh, and time, I guess, in our lives that we fill with other non-productive or non-helpful stuff. Um, and that's the challenge of today because we're always on, we're always connected. There's always a temptation to do. So perhaps there's a two sides to this. One is, can we get a bit more comfortable with being bored? It's one of those things, isn't it, where uh, we are so used to filling our time with some sort of input or some sort of activity that we aren't very good necessarily our well-practiced as perhaps I was as a kid. I remember sitting Sunday afternoons being bored, stupid while Antiques Roger was on and everybody else seemed to love it and I didn't. And just, I used to, boredom was just a part of life, whereas now it doesn't seem to be. Um, and I think it's important that perhaps there is maybe a skill to rekindle or relearn there because actually in the space of boredom, in allowing our thoughts and becoming engrossed in our thoughts or daydreaming or, or using it as an opportunity for space to decompress, can be some real opportunities to surface emotions, feelings, thoughts, reflections, insights that we might need to hear and know and also just to enjoy the slowing down. So there's the getting better at boredom, I guess. The other side is though, what <clears throat> what might those periods of boredom be signifying? Are they signifying perhaps a lack of satisfaction in a particular area of life? Perhaps it's work life, you know, it's not quite the work I want to do. I'm bored with this. It's not fulfilling. Uh, or a relationship. I'm, you know, I haven't got the friendship group that I used to have perhaps pre-lockdown, that kind of thing. So it's kind of signaling and pinpointing to particular issues that with a bit of thought and a bit of reflection, you can perhaps identify some key actions to realign to change, to look for something more fulfilling, to engage with more people, to build a friendship circle, to look for that relationship in a way that might help you find the right person, if that's the case. You know, So there's lots of reasons around that. So I think it's worth just identifying that it might be slightly different in terms of boredom versus emotion, but not to, to forget that, in, that boredom can lead to strong feelings of emotion, like sadness, loneliness, frustration, which in itself can trigger the eating. So we may eat just to fill time, or we may feel bored, feel then that emotion, and then that triggers the eating. In which case, we then need to recognise that, yes, we can do some things around the boredom, but we also perhaps need to deal with the how, what are our default behaviours when we are experiencing these emotions.
And it's worth recognizing that, you know, this can happen on both the, what we would term the good emotions as well as the not so good emotions. So we can, I don't know about you, but I can feel like a celebration uh, if I'm feeling particularly up or happy or positive or, you know, I've had a good crossfit session or something positive has worked. I can often feel like celebrating with a cup of tea, a cup of coffee and a biscuit or going out for a meal, that kind of thing. So there is that positive side as well as the, the negative side of feeling sad, lonely, frustrated. And each one, I guess, you know, if I was working with a client, we'd kind of explore that in a little bit more detail to see where where that might lie. What is it that it, it might mean in a deeper sense? And also, what does it trigger? What kind of behavior does it trigger? And I think this is the thing about it, because it's understanding what are the triggers for that emotion. And perhaps there might be some solutions to look for, just like the boredom, it might be an unhealthy relationship, it might be a particular stress at work. So it's worth looking at the causes. So we can attack this, if you like, from a number of different angles. And this is the beauty of taking some time to reflect on the complexity of our relationship with food. It can feel a bit overwhelming, you know, there's the physical, the social and the emotional side. But actually, when you dig in, there's a lot to it. But therein lie the opportunities to start to explore them. So if we focus more on the emotional side today, then what is it that is triggering perhaps that sense of frustration, that, that sense of sadness, loneliness, um, anger, whatever it is. And if we can look at that, perhaps we can start to look at some of the underlying causes and look at those with a view to rectifying them. There are some things in life that perhaps you have to, we have to just get through. You know, you're caring for an elderly parent and it's going to be a number of years, you know, perhaps some things, you know, dementia, that kind of thing. And it, it's a stressful time. Perhaps we just need to give ourselves a break. And, and self-compassion is certainly a factor in it that I'm going to come back to in due course. But there may be things we can actually do to spread the law, to reduce the law, to deal or change the underlying problem. So it's definitely worth thinking about that side of it. But then it's worth looking at, well, what is the emotion? How do I define it? How does, I, do, does it show up and what triggers it? So that I can start to anticipate and plan for those moments when I might be at a so-called weak moment and therefore engage in a particular type of eating. So it's worth then looking at the triggers, the times, the times of day, the times of week, the interactions, the pressures of work, what things trigger it, and then what tends to unfold? What do you tend to do? What do you tend to reach for? And where does it happen? Because does it? do you find it, 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 it that trigger may trigger the emotion, but if you're at home, it could have a far more catastrophic effect than if you're out and about somewhere else you know, at work and not so easily accessible to the biscuit cupboard, that kind of thing. So it's really worth starting to get to know those things because as we start to do that, we can then start to adopt some certain practical, proactive approaches. So there are some, I guess some, I guess I would sort of say some reactive approaches that can be useful in the moment. And this is not to negate, to, to not deal with the underlying issues because that's still important. But there is the idea of, the, well, I guess I, 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 calls, I call them the three Ds. Um, there's the delay. So if we can start to prepare for these things and we know that we, you know, certain so sadness, emptiness, loneliness, stress triggers a particular emotion, we have three options. Delay, um, we can damage limit or we can divert our attention. So those are kind of three things. Um, so the delay is we simply say, right, okay, I can have it, but I'm going to delay it by 10 minutes. So what that plays into, and I've talked about this before, is that that approach of we're not actually downright saying no because often that resistance can intensify the feeling of um, wanting it and focus on I'm not having it and, and really focus on the attention of what you haven't got but a delay 
can be useful in just giving yourself 10 minutes space to then see if the emotion wanes, etc. You give it 10 minutes, you give it another five minutes, another 10 minutes after that, or you can have it after that. Either way, we're building in a delay, which can be really useful. It can also go hand in hand with the second part of divert or be separate, but divert is useful in the sense of, right, well, divert or distract, let's use that as a, an alternative phrase. But what we're looking at is here is like, okay, right, instead of just going straight for the biscuit cupboard, I'm going to go and do something else. I'll go and shred something. I'll go and just chase up that one thing I need to do. I'll go for a walk. And that again can tie in with delay, but it can be a useful way just to allow your state, your emotional state, to shift a little, particularly if you're doing something different. There's a phrase in anxiety um, in treatment, which is action alleviates anxiety. Now, I think that's a, a lovely little phrase and useful, but I think it's wider than that because action of some form can actually shift your focus, your attention, your mood from one mood state to another. So it's about picking perhaps a diversionary activity that can help you do that. third one is more about really, you know, <clears throat> trying to harm minimise, which is damage limitation. It's about saying, right, okay, if we anticipate that these things are happening, it's going to be a stressful week, a stressful month, it's, it is a stressful time, what can I do to just limit the damage? If I'm going to have those moments and I'll be at the biscuit tin or the fridge or wherever before I know it, or, you know, you're out and about, what can I do to just minimise that? And that might need a bit of proactive kind of view for looking at shopping lists, buying in certain kinds of lower calorie food treats etc that kind of thing where it can be useful just to if you do have that emotional lapse and the, and the binge that arise out of it the damage is limited in that in that sense if you combine all three that can be a really useful approach as well you know delay damage limit so that if you finally do have it you're, you're having something less but you're kind of giving yourself overall more approaches to help you manage the the after effects of the emotional link to our eating because those triggers are really powerful and one of the things about our emotions that we've come to learn is they've evolved out of feelings you know feeling hot feeling cold feeling that sense of you know fear that kind of thing emotions have developed out of that and as such they've developed from a very powerful original source and they've evolved to not be ignored and one of the things we often do is we can respond to them by default or we try to stuff them down and deny them and that's where the feelings can intensify so those tactics can really help manage us in the moment but it that kind of acknowledging what the nature of feelings are can be useful in then looking at a, a longer term approach to it because if we do have these feelings at, um, arising in us because of stress ongoing pressures or just these are the triggers because I, when i feel low i'm lonely sad whatever we can use those tactics, but we want a longer-term approach. And that's where understanding that our emotions can be better managed and handled if with practice. And that's where we can get into things like right, noting and noticing our emotional state, labelling it, labelling it, not you. So we don't label me and myself as being an angry this and angry that, or anger's here, anger's present. And we start to just slightly detach ourselves from the emotion, but we accept that the emotion is there. And in practicing that acceptance, we can start to take a more compassionate, self-compassionate approach to it. Because you're not wrong to feel a particular emotion. Largely, emotions and thoughts come and go. And, you know, it's what, how we respond to them, where we take ownership of them, and also how we fail to manage them that can make the problem or situation worse. So as a longer-term approach, recognising that perhaps your emotions are a powerful tool, a part of the mix of us and may well trigger 
patterns of eating, drinking or both that are wholly undermining any efforts to lose weight or adding to the problem or just really not healthy for you. And in that approach, we need to take that short, medium and long term approach. The short approach is recognising the emotion, what the triggers are, the delay, the divert and the damage limit. Then the longer term is looking at, right, how can I perhaps shape or, or manage the causes, the triggers to reduce them or eliminate them if possible? And also, how can I learn to more compassionately, self-compassionately manage my response to my emotions and to sort of recognise that my emotions are experiences that I am having they are not who I am and I don't want to sound glib about that because it can sound a bit too easy to say you're not your emotions having said that it's important to as part of a practice to recognize that the experience of your emotions can be separated out from yourself now if it is particularly overwhelming overpowering and troubling and really you feel absolutely like you have no control then that might be where getting some additional support like therapy counseling that kind of thing can be useful in the middle ground i guess coaching can really help in terms of helping you recognize and develop some actions and appropriate strategies and hold you to account i guess for that going forward but ultimately recognizing that and then more compassionately managing yourself which means not judging yourself for having a particular response or emotion or feeling and then accepting that you have it but then reconnecting with you and what is better for you in terms of self-care and that again is a bigger conversation as well around that and very individual as well because in terms of self-care what really can be an alternate self-care treat to the food or the alcohol because let's be right that's what we're doing we're kind of soothing ourselves with food soothing ourselves with alcohol what can we replace that with what could you replace that with that really nurtures you and when you're initially embarking on this journey and this is my personal experience and also for, for people i work with the trade-off just doesn't compare you know i'll give myself a massage or i'll go for a walk it doesn't really compare to the instant gratification of food and alcohol but if we start to do this as an ongoing longer term process and pattern of practice it's amazing just how we can withdraw and see the value less in the food and more in those wonderful investments in ourselves so overall there's a lot there and um, hopefully pardon the pun food for thought but over the last few weeks in amongst the guests i have talked about that relationship with food and i guess the the overall takeaway really to think about is that Food is a complex, not, not so much food, our relationship with food is a complex thing. For some it may be more simple, but for most of us, and many of us who struggle with weight, sustaining weight loss, keeping it off, all of those things, and maybe challenge within that with alcohol, the challenge, it really is a challenge. And for me, in the complexity, whilst it can be overwhelming, the opportunity, and that's where I guess the coaching and the excitement for me working with somebody can come. Having said that, it can feel daunting. So what I would suggest is have a reflection on your relationship with food, and hopefully you have already over it. What's the physical needs and nature of it? And go back to that episode if you need to, just to refresh on what I talked about there. What are the social implications and aspects of that? And where are opportunities to help you on that aspect of it as well? And then how does do your emotions play into it? And with that, once you start to look at it, you don't need to try to tackle it all. Just pick one area. Pick one particular thing. It might be an emotional aspect, or it might be a quick win on the physical side, or it might be boosting your social aspect to it. Pick one and treat this as a work in progress over the weeks, the months, and the years ahead. Because if you do that and do it consistently, add in a change here, tweak there, make it sustainable, then review again, look again, add something else in, you'll get more consistent 
and solid improvement and change than you would if you tried to fix it all right now. So I guess that's uh, probably a good way to, to finish, really, in terms of uh, the the episode and also the pausing of the, the series. Uh, the, the podcast started as the Sprout Sweater and uh, so far has finished as, as the Restless Midlifer. The reason for that is the Restless Midlifer is you, the listener, me, the person who is seeking to improve our lives, to prepare ourselves for midlife and beyond uh, and to be as healthy and happy as we can. The Sprout Sweating is the methodology. There's loads of things we can do. There's loads of things that are out of our control. So the sprout sweating methodology is to recognize what are the few things, the few sprout sized things we can do today, tomorrow, consistently over time that can have a dramatic impact. And once they become habit, once they become more ritualistic, what are the next sprout sized things I can add in? And that's pretty much the sprouts right away. So I hope uh, this episode and the series and the podcast have always been useful for you. Give me your thoughts, Dave at WrestlingMidlifer.com and any questions or ideas. And as I say, it's not the end necessarily. I uh, I might well come back to uh, revisiting the podcast as uh, things develop. But for now, it's been a great journey. I've loved uh, recording these episodes, hearing from you and speaking to some great guests along the way. But thank you for your time and uh, enjoy. Drop me a line, Dave at Restless Midlife, if you have any thoughts. And please, uh, as much as I might be pausing it, if you've got a review or anything like that, then please drop a, a review in as well, because it always helps get those past episodes publicised as well. Take care of yourself and thank you for everything. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.